for me, it's good morning. Uh, it's 9.30 in the morning here, a beautiful sunny day in my beach town of Encinitas above San Diego. And um, welcome, welcome to all of you. Uh, I want to thank uh, Richard and Oksana for uh, being my producers here. And they are also my partners in this um, new work that I've been developing over the last couple of years called Creative Mind. Uh, which that we have a saying in English, necessity is the mother of invention. And I think given all the, the cracks and the breaks and the earthquakes over the um, past couple of years, it's really calling us to uh, generate new types of work and new types of communities and new types of connections. And so I, I see the creative mind work that I just want, I, I have only time in, you know, this brief time today to, to share with you some of the pieces of it. It is something that uh, builds on generative change, but also I think um, goes beyond it as all of us must at, at this time. Um, because um, all of these breaks that are happening, these crises that we are experiencing in, in the environment, in um, uh, cultural connections, in gender connections, I, I think they all bespeak of uh, the same underlying uh, crash state, which is a, an isolated ego mind that can't feel and can't see beyond its own limited perspective. And that blindness and that numbness of the isolated ego has, has led to a, a steadily accumulating set of pathologies. And right now um, it's moving, it, it's, it's accelerating into a major crisis point. And I don't think I'm being melodramatic and saying, we either meet this crisis um, with some sort of transformation or we, the human part of the planet, probably won't um, continue um, for too much longer. So we all have to be doing this. We all have to find our own voices. So I, I wanna share with you um, my own voice and the voice of some people in this community about what, what that might look like in, in terms of something called creative mind. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start with a poem in a moment and then give you a brief narrative of what creative mind is. Talk about the three core premises and uh, emphasize a lot the, the middle premise about conversation is being created, uh, sorry, uh, consciousness is creating reality uh, through these conversations. Uh, talk about some of the different conversations that uh, we think are are central that that need to be mindfully um, connected with, um, and then I'll give you uh, a case example or two. Um, uh, offer you a little guided process of about ten minutes, uh, so that you can get a little taste of what the creative mind might might mean for you. Then we'll have some Q and A, all in uh, ninety minutes. Um, so, uh, as 
is my tradition, I want to start with the poem. Um, and this poem, it's, it's actually, poetry touched me when I was a, like a 14-year-old kid, a 15-year-old kid. And I started reading some poems, and it's like one of those things where something touches you and some other world opens up. And you feel, oh my God, somebody else knows. Or you feel that, that the vague feeling that you've had uh, has been shared and, and light has brought, been brought to it by whole tradition, by whole lineage of people. And that's what, what poetry uh, has done for me. Uh, somebody's got their mic on. I don't know. Uh, there's a noise in the background. So if you could try to make sure to turn off all your mics. Thank you. So uh, T.S. Eliot uh, was the first poet that really, really, really deeply touched me. And um, his sort of magnus opus, his great work, uh, was near the end of his life. It's called The Four Quartets, which is, I believe, in my humble opinion, is, is my sense of the greatest poem ever written in the English language. And it's a 40-page uh, epic of four seasons of birthing and dying, uh, the four quartets. And so I want to read you a little passage um, uh, from the middle, and then I'll end at the end of the day with, with the last lines of the four quartets. Um, Eliot grew up in St. Louis, and St. Louis is on the uh, Mississippi River. Mississippi River is really wide and, and brown. And you know, for the 19th century of the United States, it was really sort of the lifeline of the lifeblood um, for uh, the United States. And then we expanded west and we got other things. But, but the Mississippi River is, is an integral part of the American soul. And so you'll hear him talk about a strong brown god. He's referring to uh, the Mississippi River there. So here's T.S. Eliot, a little passage from uh, Four Quartets. He says, I do not know much about gods, but I think that the river is a strong brown god. Sullen, untamed, and intractable patient to some degree, at first recognized as a frontier, useful, untrustworthy as a conveyor of commerce, then only a problem confronting the builder of bridges. The problem once solved, the brown god is almost forgotten by the dwellers in cities, ever, however, implacable, keeping his seasons and rages, destroyer, and reminder of what men choose to forget. Unhonored, unpropitiated by worshipers of the machine, but waiting, watching, and waiting. His rhythm was present in the nursery bedroom, in the rancalanthus of the April dooryard, in the smell of grapes on the autumn table, and the evening circle in the winter gaslight. The river is within us, and the sea is all about us. The river is within us, and the sea 
is all about us. As a 15 year old kid, that line just hit me in my chest so deeply. And, and this, the sense opened up and it, it's really the, the, the story of creative mind. So I'm going to go uh, get, get a, uh, turn my slides on here. There we go. Okay. So uh, these slides, by the way, I will, um, we'll, we'll send them on, uh, put, put, put them on, uh, afterwards so, so that you can get access to them. I'm not going to uh, focus on every slide. I'm going to use them as sort of a backdrop here. Um, so uh, again, so, somebody else have their mic on, please turn it off. Um, so this, this general uh, story, the general narrative of creative mind is consciousness we are consciousness much more than human consciousness consciousness is on this long journey of self-realization and this journey goes through many 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 different passages and many many different stages and on any hero's journey uh, we run into a lot of obstacles we run into a lot of walls and I think it is obvious we are up against a big, big obstacle right now. Something is happening in the river that's blocking the river of consciousness, that's creating all sorts of problems. And I would pr uh, propose that this is the um, uh, evolutionary tradition of the isolated individual ego consciousness and obviously I'm, I'm not the first and and one of many uh, who say this but this ego consciousness the way we use it which is through muscular uh, tension disconnects us uh, from life in so many many uh, different ways and it creates all these dissociation and all all of the um, concomitant violences and pathologies and sufferings and lack of connections so we need to face this challenge and i i think we can see in many parts of the world glimmers uh, and movement into the next level of consciousness but we all need to be fully committed to it and fully participating so it's, it's good to have some sort of narrative of who are we, where have we been, where are we now, and what do we need to do in, in order to go forward. Um, so the creative mind work basically has these three premises. Consciousness is creating reality. Consciousness is inside of every grain of sand that this uh, consciousness is creating reality, does it through conversations. And these conversations go through filters. And uh, I'll be talking about the three core filters that we think are, are, are most meaningful in the creative mind work. And then 
The third premise, which is integral to all of the generative change work, is that every one of these conversations, every one of these relationships, every one of these representations, the meaning and the way that they unfold and their value doesn't come from the pattern itself. It comes from how consciousness is holding the pattern. And here we have in generative change, this crash versus coach distinction, which is a context. It's not a state, it's an underlying field. And basically, I think we could say that consciousness is either open so that the river is flowing between every part of the field, or it gets locked, in which case you have disconnection um, and lack of love and lack of creative growth. So uh, we're looking then to, to see and understand um, that when a person or uh, a family or a culture or a business is really stuck, they're stuck because of disconnection. Their consciousness is in a state of disconnection. And our job is to be able to support that system, to be able to find its deeper connection, to feel its deeper roots. And from that sense of a feeling, it, it's, its interconnectedness with all of life, be able to find the resources and find the connection and find the love to be able to move forward um, in some sort of, of creative way. So those are the three premises. And uh, sorry. So we're just going to touch the these three premises just a little bit. And by the way, uh, we start next Saturday, our 25 day Creative Mind Certification course. We'll tell you more about that at the end. Um, but all this stuff is explored in much greater detail in the course. Where we're sitting with somebody or, or we're beginning any sort of creative challenge with this sense that um, I, I am not doing it here. There's a consciousness that is running through me and running through all of life that is the base for all creativity and for all healing. So I need to relax and get attuned to the sense that something's coming through me. Something is connecting all of us. Something is trying to wake up and I need to align my human consciousness with that so that I can be of service and I can be supported um, by this, this deeper consciousness. So <clears throat> we say that in generative change. And um, I would just note that the main change as it goes to creative mind is it, it really rejects a human-centric point of view. I think for hundreds of years, certainly in the West, we have been implicitly locked in a human-centric point of view. You know, creativity is a human thing. Um, reality comes from human beings. 
And I don't think it takes too much to realize, no, that's not true at all. We humans are just a little drop in the ocean, very, very recent latecomers, um, that, that the consciousness that is us is much, 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 much deeper than human beings. And so we humans really have to, to feel our belonging uh, to uh, the Earth Mother, um, to uh, uh, the universe itself. And I know that may sound a little California-ish, but I really mean that in a very practical way. And the creative mind work looks to um, touch that in very, very practical ways. Uh, and the, the second premise, This is sort of where we have the uh, more of the, the main maps that we're working with. We say this, this river of consciousness that is creating reality is moving through these conversations. And we, we talk about these three basic types of filters, if you will. Um, the first is what uh, we would call uh the nested evolutionary spheres and if you were to just remember one one picture from uh, this talk th this would be one of them so we're saying that consciousness starts as the ever-present origin of spirit this is not religious i'm not meaning it religiously but this place before time and space that contains infinite possibilities and un, 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 it's beyond our imagination uh, what is in that ever-present origin. But we can get there. You know, when we are at our best, uh, when we really feel deep inspiration, I think we are, we are connected to the spirit. It has no form. It has no image. Uh, anything you say about it, uh, you have to realize your map can, cannot apprehend the territory. And so you, you have to be very suspicious or realize that all of your representations about spirit are just poems, or they're just metaphors, but it's important to come back to spirit. Out of spirit comes nature. And we say that, you know, this cycle, it's been unfolding for 14 billion years. The earth, a little bit of a baby, four billion years. But you have this incredible miracle of, of out of what Erickson called the middle of nowhere, out of nothing, out of no time and no space, voila, is that you begin to unfold um, this physical universe. This is our base. We are the particles. We are the stardust. We are the trees. We are the ocean. And again, I, I don't mean this in a um, just a wild esoteric way. I mean it in a way that, that we can and probably need to feel that when we're having conversations with each other. So how we answer the question, who am I? Who are you? We're really answering it in terms of, 
I, I am spirit. And again, language becomes very, very awkward. So you better have a sense of humor. I am the universe. You know, the, every, the universe is in every grain of sand. I'm really interested in this regard in a number of different scientific theories. For example, Thierry de Chardin, uh, the physicist David Bohm, one of my mentors at Stanford, um, Carl Pribram, uh, the German philosopher, Jean Gebser, uh, the Indian philosopher, uh, Sri Aurobindo. These guys are all been talking, talk about the same thing about um, the whole universe is, is, is contained in every little point, every little particle. And people like David Bohm or Thierry de Chardin say at the very, very exact center of any given particle is, is a fuzzy black hole that connects you to uh, the, the spirit consciousness that gives rise to the world. Sorry, I'm not going to go too much further on that point. I just think it's amazing. Amazing. That, that each of us contains the universe. And it comes out then and opens through nature. At some point, after some billions of years, we begin to get sentient, sentient consciousness, self-aware consciousness. And we see that first in terms of collective mind. And so this leads to cultures and families and groups and lineages and disciplines. And for the first time, it seems that this level of consciousness is, is using representational maps. You know, it, it's, it's guided by its representational maps. Um, this guy, who's the Israeli guy who wrote the book um, uh, *Sapiens*, you know, he says, "What is it about we sapiens, this this brand of of humans, that is such a game changer?" And he says, "We believe in things that don't exist. We have maps of things that aren't in the world, but we can hold these maps and use it as our north star." to begin to move towards creating that map as a reality. It begins to open the Pandora's box because we think that our map is the territory. And so you begin to have things like cultural wars or religious wars because this particular um, social collective consciousness has a different map necessarily. Uh, from this one, and we get into that. My my map is better than your map, and and um, a whole lot of things start happening. But these are the ancestors. This is the culture. This is where the lineages are. If we're going to do any creative work, we have to have a coach connection to the collective consciousness. We have to have a coach connection to nature. We have to have a coach connection to spirit. Out of this collective consciousness, 
has slowly emerged individual consciousness. Is that amazing or what? So, so now we're not just our tribe. You know, the individual consciousness begins to support everybody in the collective gets their own unique experience of life, gets their own unique way of knowing the world, has its own capacity to be able to act in some sort of individual unique way. And this is where creative evolution begins to go into hyperspeed. You know, Thierry de Chardin, who I was mentioning, talks about creative evolution as centered complexity. He says, when, when you go to this higher level, you don't want to wipe out all of the individual differentiation. It's vital. It's only when a system gets to a certain level of differentiation that it is able to move to a higher level. So this is where we're, we're really are right, right now is this uh, individual mind that has its own maps, has its own life that, that it, it can lead. I believe we are moving towards um, what uh, uh, is called integral, what Gebser calls integral consciousness. And then the integral consciousness, every individual is differentiated. Every individual has their own unique way of celebrating, living, realizing, creating life. But they're beginning to feel a common center that is joining all of them. And so all of these individual differences are working towards uh, one world, which has you know, become sort of a, a, a political swear word for a lot of people. But I think that's where we're headed if we don't get there we will destroy everything. The block, I believe, that we're really, really struggling with is the first form of individual consciousness is based on crash, is based on neuromuscular lock. The first form of, of this immature individual self-awareness is based on the left brain inhibiting breath and in creating tension in the body and then projecting some map away from the body. So it looks something like this. Let me think. Hmm. So am I in a coach state or a constipation state when I do that? Let me think. Hmm. So we study these mind-body states in generative change, and, and we're really training ourselves to see in that state, could that person be a creative performer? Could they do uh, art from that state? Could they be a good athlete from that state? Um, could, could they do uh, creative communication uh, from this state, okay, from this state, from this state? And, and it becomes obvious, no, because there's constipation or crash or neuromuscular lock in that system. <clears throat> I, 
I believe this is just a mark of immaturity. I don't mean that um, uh, in a negative way. My main teacher, Milton Erickson, one of his favorite things he used to say in trance is uh, he, he would have these little stories and he'd say, when you learned to, he would say, I'm not asking you to learn a new skill. I'm only asking you to be willing to use skills that you already have, but have forgotten about. And he would talk about when you learn to write your name. If you see a youngster, you know, learning to write their name, he said, there was so much tension in your hand and so much tension in your body when you really at that first bottleneck where you're trying to create something. And you can see it in the quality of a child's writing. It, it's, it's really got a stiffness uh, and a tension in the way that they write. And he said, as you did that, as you wrote your name over and over, gradually all the tension began to fade away. And you discovered the pleasure of writing your name in a fluid way. So that's an example of, of the developmental process of, of emerging self-awareness. So we're really, really, really young in this whole business of self-awareness. I, I would venture that we're probably about one year old or one and a half years old. So, so we have self-awareness, but we're just acting out. You know, we're throwing temper tantrums. We're not really aware of other people. My, me, my, my, my. Uh, we have the terrible twos, uh, we call them, in, in uh, about a, a child in, in their twos uh, in their second year. So we're at, at this very immature stage. And so most of our thinking is done in a crash state. So hopefully... You have developed this appreciation uh, over the years, however long you've been doing generative change, that our, our first sense of coach is coach is just when you're just like in a totally happy state, and everything's great, uh, and it's not. Coach is this mindful presence that has equanimity to joy and suffering. It welcomes joy, it welcomes suffering, it sees the light of life. It feels the darkness of life and holds that in a coach state in a centered way so that you can have some sort of creative response to that. A crash state, people usually think you're screaming, you're shouting, you're on the floor sobbing, um, but they're much deeper forms of crash. Uh, one of them is what we're trained to do in our formal education systems. You know, so sometimes they say, when you were a child uh, and, the and you were in the classroom and your teacher said, pay attention, children, what, what, what was the, po the posture that you were supposed to take on? You know, in Russia, I was really uh, amazed. In some parts of China, they do this. 
like, wow. I went to Catholic schools. You always have to have your hands where the nuns can see them. And we had to fold our hands, look straight ahead and be very, very stiff and, and rigid. These are the representational maps in the mainstream that we often have for paying attention. But notice this is a crash state. This is a state where there is no chi flow in the body. There is a rigid um, uh, left brain representational map. And what we know about the left brain, the language brain, is it does not feel the body directly. And therefore, it cannot feel the world as alive. It cannot feel another person as a living being. Uh, this left brain is always operating on a confirmation bias. A man sees what he wants to see and disregards the rest. Paul Simon. So you have these rigid maps and your body is numb or shut down. And you can't feel the rest of the world. No wonder we're in a big mess. But we're generally unconscious about this. And that's one of the reasons that people come to see us as coaches or therapists or consultants, because they're saying, listen, there, there's, there's some positive reality that I want to create, but for whatever reason, I can't seem to be able to do it, help. And in generative change, our responsibility is before we start looking at what you want to create and how can you do that? We say, what? Let's make sure that we put you in a place where, you're, where you, you can achieve success. Let's make sure that we get you into a coach state. Okay? And then let's observe because at multiple points in the session, the person will lose that coach state. As soon as you say, tell me what you want, you say, oh, I've been doing 10 minutes. We've been doing, oh, this is great. I'm feeling at one in harmony with the universe. Tell me what you want. And immediately you'll see a person lose their center. So we're there to be able to notice the multiple levels of crash that a person is activating that we know will block any sort of generative possibilities from emerging. Because to have those questions and to move creatively in the world, you have to have a feeling of connection to, to everything. And so one of the things we do in Creative Mind is to say, uh, for that intention to be real, let's make sure that it's totally somatically connected. A lot of, a lot of approaches do this, mind, body, unity. Okay? But let's make sure also that you have a positive connection to ancestors. You know, who in your family could you count on? Who in your lineages can you count on? Who are the friends and the resources they are integral, necessary parts of a generative team. 
So we need to go from individual mind into this collective consciousness of the body and nature and the ancestors and the community. Right? And we are confident that if we have that in, in a coach place, which means it's, it's fluid, it's shimmering, it's adjusting every moment according to the feedback is that you, you will be able to create some really great, really, really great stuff in your life. But as soon as the disconnect happened, all bets are off. So these five levels are sort of a reference point that you know, we can just have as a, you know, just as a general heuristic. My job is to help my clients create something positive, sustainable and positive. My interest is creating something in my life and with my life, with my relationships, with my um, uh, career, for example. And to do that, I will only be able to have sustainable success if I connect individual mind to body, to social culture, community, ancestors, to nature to spirit. So what creative mind does as generative change does, what creative mind adds a new set of methods for how do you do that? What are some of the specific practical ways that we can open that connection through these different, what you might call levels of identity. So you say, I, I'm, I'm my individual self. I am my, the collective consciousness. I am nature. I am spirit. Go for it. Okay, so that's one. And this second one I'm starting to allude to, one of the other you know, major uh, casualties of the neuromuscular locked ego mind is you start defining yourself as a, as a separate individual. And that's a disaster. You start thinking that I'm me and I have to do everything myself. And I, I really, uh, my whole sense of identity is myself as an individual. That is a disaster. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes joke with people and say, how many of you have a, vo a voice that says you're not enough? And virtually everybody raises their hand. And we just assume that those that don't are, are lying. And then they say, that voice is speaking the voice of deep wisdom. When you face a generative challenge, you as an isolated individual are not enough. You're only as good as your relationship. So if we had one visual images, this is what we call, this is your conscious mind. This is your cognitive mind. Is that all of those different uh, parts of the tree of life, that's your mind. I am the community. I am the people who agree with me and disagree with me. I am my family. Everybody in my community is part of my self-identity. 
So this is a, a core shift from the isolated ego where you're identified with as just one member of the team. You're just one part of the whole. It's just little me here. And oh my God, look at all those people. My God, what am I going to do? Sorry, that was my inner voice. To this, this awareness, this feeling, this experiential sense that I am the connection between everybody in the community. Okay? And I, I think it goes without saying, we need that more than ever right now because we have these intense conversations with different parts of our community that have very, very different experiences, white people, black people, uh, men, women, straight people, gay people, uh, people uh, who are from the West, people uh, from Asia or the Middle East, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in the generative change and really we we take a, a deeper focus on it in creative mind we call it community of mind community of mind so the your identity is i am the universe itself you know spirit nature um, collective individual integral uh, i my 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 mind is the community of mine is that i'm a circle and all is a circle within me and so obviously we see in crash days or we see in places where people are really stuck there's parts of those systems that are in lockdown those parts of those systems that are shadows those parts of those systems that are being held with hatred or fear Okay. So in the, the generative change um, six steps, we see that as the obstacles. And we say, you know, when I go, when I, which is usually my ego identity, when I go to try to make this happen in the world, very quickly something shows up that says, thou shall not pass. Something uh, really comes up as an obstacle. And we're really seeing that as an integral part of the solution team. Consciousness is creating reality through conversations. Through these level, evolutionary levels of identity. From a community of mind which begins to open the horizontal dimension. And then the third filter that we're um talking about is what we call the generative performance holons because once we get to self-awareness then it becomes true at a much more deep deeper level whatever reality that we're living in we are deeply responsible for creating it you know, more so than trees more so than our, than dogs or cats, because we're being guided by these maps about uh, what we want the world to, to be. And we have this accelerated way of organizing everything 
to try to uh, realize whatever that map is. So we have all these different uh, systems, if you will, for how to create a reality. Some of them, uh, sort of the old fashioned ones are, I must control everything and dominate and make, uh, make a lot of money and, and everybody else has to make less money than me and I will mess with anybody who gets in my way. That would be a version of, of the isolated ego. That's a map you know, that, that we have. What we work use in the generative change process is we use, sorry, and this is the third image, you know, we use this sort of map of uh, present state, desired state, resources, obstacles, steps to action for getting from the present state to the desired state, and the space that you're holding it in. That, that's the six steps of generative coaching. Right? You see there, there's sort of a, a quaterno, what Jung would call a quaterno, present state, desired state, uh, resources, obstacles, ideas like, okay, if I want to uh, create intimacy uh, with my sweetheart, I've got these maps about what do I need to do what does that look like? Uh, what actions do I need to take? What needs to be there in order for me to realize that? If those become fixed and locked, we're in deep shit. So th this is the third type of what we call the, the general filters that we're tuning in so that the consciousness that is moving through us can create integral realities that work for everybody. Oh my God, that's a lot, right? <laughs> that's a lot. That's why we do take 25 days um, in the Creative Mind Certification course to really just look deeply into each of these different pieces that I'm sort of, we're doing a flyover, uh, so to speak, in an airplane and, and just getting a, a, a little glimpse of it. Uh, so that, that's the second uh, step in the second premise. First, consciousness creating reality. Second one, it's doing it through these conversational filters evolutionary levels, community of mind, and creativity uh, um, maps. And then this third, which is really the heart of generative change work. It's so important. You know, I've been working with this idea for over 45 years, and it's the gift that keeps on giving. You know, uh, Milton Erickson, one of his main ideas was the symptom is a solution that what a person is doing as a creating as a problem actually is an attempt by consciousness to create a resource or a solution so every pattern every idea uh, every 
experience has equal capacity to be destructive or constructive. And what makes the difference? You do. So the consciousness and the human presence that you bring to each experience inside of you, inside of your community, is that that actually is, is shifting it into a particular form with a particular value. Because in, until we bring human connection to it, it sort of has this quantum shimmer to it. It has many, many, many different possibilities and many, many different forms. This is obviously apparent with young children. So when a three-year-old uh, responds to somebody taking her toy by taking a bat and hitting that her friend over the head, as my daughter did, we realized this is a teaching moment, right? This is developmentally, it makes sense. It's appropriate for a three-year-old. And how we work with that will determine whether that warrior energy, whether that fierceness becomes a positive human resource or a destructive uh, human experience. It's, it's all on how human beings are holding the pattern. So that means that when we're working with uh, uh, people, we're seeing wherever they're stuck. And I, I've got these slides that I, I'm going to send to you, I'm going to have available to you, and you, you can look them over, uh, just showing you. I don't really have time for them here, but uh, what we're seeing is whatever maps a person is using, wherever they're stuck, it's usually not a problem inside the map, but it's a problem in the relationship with the map. And there are some parts of their deeper representations that are in shutdown. So we're looking in the conversation to open this conversational space where we can hold everything with this mindful, welcoming presence, centered, open, and we can begin to sense each part of that process and see there are some parts that are in lockdown. There's some parts that are in dis dissociation. And by bringing connection, by, by bringing this sense of, of, of mindful consciousness to every little piece of whatever performance system they're working in, voila, a problem is turned into a um, solution. So let me, let me give you uh, one example. And uh, then I'd like to do a little bit of a uh, group process, give, give you a little bit of a feel for this. So I was working with somebody uh, who was from Central America and uh, 
he had come to the United States about uh, five years previously. And he was an architect, uh, really good, really gifted, um, had great ideas. He had such passion for it. Uh, and so after about a year, he, uh, he got a, a job he really liked. And he was given this project. And, and all of a sudden, uh, he began to feel panic attacks. And he said, I don't know, you know what the deal is. I, I work in this company and people are really great. It's really collegial community. I'm doing the work that I love. But out of nowhere, these panic attacks. So we would say some part of the system that is in play is in crash. So, Richard, can you get that off? Thank you. So, if we can. Okay, got it. Thank you. So, if we can bring generative connection to that that part by being able to heal it or transform it whatever had been blocking or stopping that system from moving forward creatively actually becomes an integral support for that creative development so he says yeah okay so here i am and he said you know i've been i came to this country the united states uh, in order to live my dream um, I'm starting to do it. And uh, something inside of me is saying, ah, great. So I say, I'm sure that makes sense. You have to be ready. Sometimes people throw pillows at you. I'll show you what sense it makes. I'm sure that makes sense. I don't know. But isn't it interesting that when you go on, on this threshold of success, that when you step into success, something in your body starts to panic. I'm sure that makes sense. So let's get a coach day. Let's get a place where you can, in your peripheral awareness, feel this part of you that is in panic and be able to be with it without becoming it. So got into a coach state. And so now here's the parts of the creative mind work saying, you know, so as you are going forward and this, um, I'm wondering um, if you were to feel the presence of your family around you, what would they be saying about you having these panic attacks? And this is something I've, I've asked for a long time of people. It's just, much more central these days. And he looked down, he got some tears in his eyes and he says, my family is really, really, really supportive, but they're really afraid that I'm going to fail. And I said, well, let's just breathe with that. And just notice who in your family is, is with you right now. He said, there's my mom and my dad. And then he looked down and he said, and, and there's my uncle 
who's there. And I said, what you look like, that's a really deep connection, your uncle. And he said, yeah. He said, my uncle, uh, who was about 30 years older, came to the United States. Uh, our family was really, really, really poor. And he was a young man. And he came to the United States. And he hit such racism and such immigrant hatred that he was crushed by it. And he came home a broken man. And there was a sadness in the family about it, but nobody could ever really talk about it. And, and somehow this guy, we'll call him Jaime, Jaime felt this really strong connection to his ancestor, to his uncle, to Jaime. So doesn't that make sense? If you now, if your, you as your family is going into this place and there's this history of failure and violence in that place that you're stepping into, what do you think you would experience? Usually I find that those family members that are the source or the sort of the reference for the pain are really some of the best resources to be able to bring in. In this case, it wasn't hit that his uncle was violating him or perpetrating uh, something uh, on him, but his uncle was the image of, of the broken man. And so he centered again, I said, I, I really feel, tell me if I'm wrong, you, you feel quite, quite a love um, for, for your uncle. I said, you know, one of the nice things is that when, when you're in sort of a, a nicely tuned space, you can feel who your uncle really is underneath all the suffering. Underneath, you know, if it's a parent who was really negative to you, you know, the, 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 the very confusing, horrible things they might have done or said to you. And he felt that. And so I want you to, to sense as you stand on this place of, of really want to step into your, your success as an architect in the United States, as you stay connected to your center, just feel what your uncle says about that. And he starts crying and he said, my uncle, is telling me that he loves me so much and he sends such deep support and that everybody in the family, no matter what happens, sends him, sends Jaime support. So that would be an example of the individual self on this creative journey, but in the deeper level of the collective cultural mind, there are these crash states that if they're not transformed, will block, will be brick walls or cement walls against consciousness being able to flow creatively into the world in the way that the person wants. The second 
dimension would be what is your connection to nature and you see that many many people you know we ask this question in generative change when you when you need to get back to yourself when you need to come back to a coach like i'm just stressed out overwhelmed i'm lonely what do you do and you know what most people do doesn't cost any money and it's real simple i go for a walk i go for me i go to the ocean um, some of my my best conversations have been with redwood trees when I used to live in Santa Cruz. Um, walking in nature brings you to a generative state because we belong to nature. Um, so I asked him, uh, did he like any experiences in nature? And he said, he, he, said he, he was a rock climber. And he would go on these rock climbing expeditions that, that you know, he could see were some of the best experiences of, of his life. And so I asked him, as a, I'm going to ask you in a moment to, to step into that. I said, what, what's your level of coach, Tan? Now come back to the problem. You're, you're in there in your office uh, working on a, a project as an architect. What's your connection to nature? Zero. That's interesting. Let's come back to your deeper identity. I belong to nature. I am, nature is within me. I am within nature. And begin to re reconstruct and your sense of self experientially so that you feel uh, the mountains uh, are within me the ocean is the river is within us the sea is all about us that was the line from Eliot. and then in that place of i am an individual who is resting in the support of his family and his culture that is connected deeply to all of nature. See what happens in your creative path when you have that self. And as you might expect, that's really a, a game changer. Okay? So, these are just a, a few notes, and I say it's it's got a, a lot more stuff to it. But I want to do a little guided process and uh, for like ten minutes, and then we'll do some Q and A and and some sharing. And I think it it's pretty obvious, and this is something I do with clients because it's really good if you can have your clients really experientially get that when I'm in a state of deeper connection with the world, my life really is good. 
my life is really great. But when I am in ego isolation, damn, it hurts. It's lonely. I can't really live the life I, I want to lead. So we need to know that here. We need to know it here. We need to have a practice every day. And then we need to sense that wherever we, we're up against the wall, that wherever we're really stuck and it feels like there's no way out, it's because we're in a disconnected state. Whenever we're, we're in a conflict with other people that has no resolution, it's because we're in a disconnected state. Whenever we feel that the environment is being, falling apart and we're in a real, real crisis, it tells us we're in a disconnected state. So generative change, rate of mind is it's in for me, it's next generation, is a way to make connection, the heart and soul of every moment and every thought and every relationship. And it is a connection that is not in a muscular thinking. The ego thinks with muscular contraction. This is one thing I learned from doing trance work for over 40 years. Whenever you see this, the person is in their disembodied intellect. Okay? So the thinking of connection, the thinking that allows interconnectedness as its base is a thinking that is based on flow, is based on chi, is based on nerve awareness. This is possible for every person to some significant degree. It is the mark of all creative artists. You can see it with all creative performers. There is a chi flow. Um, so this is what we want to do. And then we can feel I am in such a deep, rich space of resources. I don't know exactly how I'm going to be creative, but I know that it will happen. You know, as long as I'm, I'm thinking it's not me that's far, but it's we uh, that's unfolding in conversation. Okay, so if you'd like, you can stand for this uh, or, you, or you can stay seating. Those of you know, I usually am standing I just wanted to try it out sitting today. It's a little awkward for me to stand. I'd have to change my camera. So if you'd like to stand, please do. Uh, this is going to be just like a, a, a 10 minute um, thought experiment. There we go. Okay. So the first two steps are the first two steps of all generative change work. Hey, take a few moments and let yourself get into what we call in the work a coach state. What ways do you have? Should be simple, should be pleasurable. 
How do I shift? Relaxed body. Tai Chi, there's an emphasis on the lower half of the body being warm and heavy. Dropping into the earth, relaxed body. Straight spine. Coach. Whatever way you have, and of course, if you're working with a client, you need to have more attention to how the person is doing this. But for this exercise, we're presuming you have your ways. Coach. Now, for the second step, which is intention, let yourself sense where you're working at your edge. Where is a place in your life that you're really wanting to grow, to change, to develop, but you're struggling? Could be an intimacy relationship, could be someplace in your work, could be someplace with your physical health or with your relationship with your body. Where's a place that you would really like to creatively move forward in your life, but you're struggling? That was what we call the at your edge. And that's where all the, the greatest generativity can be found is on your edge. So what is it? What is one of your edges? And for this second step of intention, what I'd like to uh, invite you to do is represent the intention as a question. As a question, how can I? And then whatever, how can I um, feel a deeper connection with my sweetheart? How can I um, complete this project? How can I um, create better health and better happiness and self-love in my body? So what, what is one of your questions that puts you on your edge? And then remember in generative change to allow the question to be have a generative course, drop it into your body. You cannot hold it verbally in your head. You need to breathe it into your body. So the verbal mind, the somatic mind, partnership, harmony, the chi, the breath that unites them. This is not a groggy state. It's not a collapsed state. It's finding a state of balance where you could move, you could talk, you could relax, you could think, hold the question in a centered coach day. Now, for the next part, which is a little bit of the new stuff, I want you to imagine in front of you two doors. 
And the sign over the left door says the place of no connection. Wow, shit. What kind of line do we have going into that place? The place of no connection. And the sign over the right door says the place of deep connection. And just see, those are two different doors that are always in front of you. And now holding that coach state to the best of your ability and holding your question, walk to the door of the place of no connection. And when you open that door, look in, you can see very sort of negative or absent presence of all of these basic different parts of your being. Nature is not present or it's in a state of degradation. Your ancestors are not present or they're in a lot of pain or criticism. Spirit seems evil. I'm not asking you to get overwhelmed by that. So you may just stop right at the door, but open and feel into that place until you can feel your connection of when I am in the room where I have negative connection to my culture, to my ancestors, when I feel no connection to nature, it could be just a big concrete building, a bureaucratic concrete building, no trees. Feel as you hold your question, as you step into that room, what kind of exploration of the question is possible for you? You hold the question, you hold it in a space that has negative connection to nature, to community, to culture, to spirit. And just get a taste, feel it, memorize it, know deep in your heart, and then step out. And then come back to your starting place. And just like in anything, say that was interesting. Come back into coach. One of the things we're really, really training ourselves, step into an experience, step out and take a spiritual shower. What the Japanese call misogi, stand under a waterfall stand under a shower and just let it cleanse away any images, any feelings, any toxins, any shadow. I take many, many spiritual showers, misogi, cleanse. So Duke Ellington used to say, jazz washes away the dust of everyday living. So we need to feel that music every day that washes away the toxins, that washes away the fears, 
washes away the shadows that we always accumulate in our daily process. I am. I am spirit. I am nature, mountains, the oceans. I am. I am community, lineages, history. I am me. I am the integral community of all of this centered complexity. I am. And from there, look over to the right and see that door, the place of deep connection. And holding again that question, what is your question? What's your edge? Let yourself walk slowly over and step into that room where you can feel, you can lay in the grass, you can breathe the air. You can open up and see a sky of 10 billion stars sparkling. And you can feel ancestors smiling. In that place, staying connected to your individual challenge, I'm working on my edge. Surrender. This is your true nature. This is your true nature. You belong to everything in the universe and everything in the universe is inside of you. Wanting to help. And let yourself take a few moments and just explore, find yourself exploring the question in that room. Seeing the obstacles or the old fears, seeing the stuck places, what you do in places of not knowing. Each time you feel any part of the journey of being on your edge. Relax, open, and feel what deeper level of myself do I rest in? Nature. Many, many, many difficult conversations I've resolved by touching trees. It might sound a little bizarre. Touching the tree, having the conversation with the tree, surrendering and feeling the ocean. Please help me. And to feel you're on a human journey. You're on a unique individual human journey that you must claim but that human journey is embedded, it's supported by everything. 
And so feeling that and any differences there, you can step out, go back to your starting point. And just feel as in any learning experiment, first step under the spiritual shower, misogi, waterfall, cleanse it off. Come back to just, I'm an open channel of light, luminous, body of light, luminous mind, just me, just you, just you. And then just let yourself feel at some level the differences between those two rooms. It's a little bit like remembering somebody in your life who really, really blessed you, who saw you, who saw you and touched you with a blessing. I see you, you have something valuable. You have a person like that in your life, right? Feel what they touched. And then just for a moment at whatever distance is best, you've had people who have cursed you, who violated you, who attacked you, who disrespected you. Feel the self that you experienced in that. And you can see what's at stake. So we're doing this in creative mind at a deeper level. So coming back to your center. Every time you step into some experience, particularly the difficult ones, step back out, take a purification shower. Cleanse it all off. Be with it, don't become it. And then let yourself learn from that. So see the difference that living in a place of positive community and positive connection to nature, positive connection to spirit, see the difference that it makes and realize you can be able to create this every day. You can help others every day. Is life great or what? Okay, so that's the experiment. And um, hopefully it gives you a little bit of taste about uh, where we're headed with this creative mind work. Uh, we have time for uh, just a, a few sharings or questions. Um, and if you want to share, please be succinct. Uh, you can put, uh, click the uh, reaction. Is it reactions? Yeah, but put your hand up. And um, Richard and Oksana, I'll, I'll just ask you if it's okay to pick somebody and then highlight them. Sure, Oksana's going to the other room because I'm, I'm recording you on this uh, monitor, so. Okay, great, thanks. The gallery view there. So you guys are on, please. Yeah, so pick, pick somebody, Oksana. 
Angela, she's already on the screen. Okay, so and will Angela be highlighted now? Yes, she, she already is in, in my computer. Okay. Uh, uh, sorry, well, I don't see Angela. There she is. Hi, Angela. Oh. Hi. Can you just pin her, or or do I need to do that? Well, for for you to see it, you have to do it. I pinned her, so on the recording, it'll be both of you side by side. But to see her, you'll have to pin. Uh, okay. A pin. All right, go ahead, Angela. You introduce yourself and. So my name is Angela. I'm Italian. I live in Frankfurt, and. Um, for me, what was interesting was that when you mentioned to go towards uh, the left door, which was the one of no connection, yeah, it felt that uh, I know it so well uh, because it feels like that I lived there, maybe not 100% of my time, but good 80% of my life um, in a state of separation inside uh, from other people, uh, from something bigger for everything. So I really didn't go even closer because it was already so present that I say, okay, I don't need to go too close. Um, so I stayed actually in the same position. Great. While clearly I, I then I started go towards the door on the right side already, even before you started, because it was clearly like my, 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 my intention and also when you mentioned about people having seen me weirdly enough it's the moment in which i started crying so it touched me enormously because probably it's, um, it has been something new also like uh, i did a presentation in this convention and there were a lot of people supporting me and this too moved me already so much <laughs> great I wanted to share this. So. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, another person. Okay, it's uh, Tivo. Okay, I'm putting uh, Tivo nearby Steven. Richard, do you have time? Okay, it's okay from, from my side. Hi, Tivo. Hello, nice to see you. Hi. Hi. Tell, tell Hi. me your name again. Tivo. Oh, Tivo. Hi, Tivo. From Berkeley, Hi. right? Yes, thank you oh. for remembering. Yeah, yeah. Hi. Um, hi, thank you so much for this beautiful and profound work. Um, what I want to share is that I had a clarity around in the coach state, I have access to the left and to the right. So I felt a more spaciousness that is beyond both what I just metaphorically saying death and life. And so I have a real appreciation of how much that negative space when it's just that it's actually killing me. Yeah. It's actually death. It's actually, I had a real appreciation of it. And so 
at any po any point and moment, I can access the life serving and I can access everything that's much bigger. So I just really, really wanted to appreciate that because, yeah. you know, the, the lineage of my family of oppression and racism and very extreme violence, I was able to see underneath that. And it just really, uh, to see my father's body in an expanded and beautiful connected way when there's so many memories of emotional, physical violence yeah. was profound. So I just wanted to thank you. Where are you? Where's your family from? They're from Mexico. Yeah. And my grandfather used to whip my dad. And when I was growing up, he still had marks on his back. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And you, you know, what, what, what you're talking about, I, I think where we are at a point where I think the creative mind is, is really important in terms of shifting from a primarily individual focus to a collective focus, because, you know, some of those things you're talking about, about the violence and the racism and the degradation of the environment and the violence against women, they're, they're not really part of an individual consciousness. Yeah. They're part of, of this collective consciousness that we're born into, that we're dropped into. And so I think what creative mind is, you know, like I think all the emerging traditions recognize we have to look at the mind at the individual level, yes, but we have to equally be looking at it at the collective level in, in terms of, of these, these practices. So thanks so much, Tivo, for, for sharing. Thank you again for your beautiful work. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Say hi to Berkeley for me. <laughs> yes, I will. My sister lives in, Ber in Oakland. She's moving today. Oh. I hope it's a good travel and a good home for her. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's been in Oakland for 20 years. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're, we're from San Francisco. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, uh, one more. Okay, Stella is the next one. Uh, Stella, I'm going to pin you. Do you see Stella there, Stephen? Uh, the hand up. Yeah, I see Stella, but I don't see her on my... I see myself. Yeah, there you go, Stella. Okay, go ahead. Oh, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. How about you? Feliz, feliz estar aquí. Gratitud infinita. Le preguntaba a Stephen, le preguntaba por Chap si esa estatua que vemos, esa imagen que vemos detrás es de Ganesha. Preguntaba. Uh, sorry. Hey, hey, Daniel Oil, are you there? Yeah, we need to. I can translate for you, Steve. Okay, please. Okay, so she, she's very grateful with what with what with the work today that you did, and she's asking if the statue behind you is a statue of Ganesha. <laughs> no, that's not good. Ganesha is the elephant god. That's that's my mother. 
Dice que es la estatua quería, de su madre. Quería hacer este comentario porque para mí fue muy conmovedor el ejercicio. For her, she was, it was very touching the exercise. Eh, pude llegar a esta puerta de la, de la conexión profunda y me quebré. Me puse a llorar porque, eh, porque pude ver eh, esa puerta de tantas posibilidades y me pude dar cuenta que he sido yo un gran obstáculo para mí misma. Okay, dame un segundo, Estela. Estela, eh, dame un segundo para traducir. Okay. So she was deeply touched by the work. She was able to go through the door of connections. And she was in tears because she realized that she has been an obstacle for herself. Yeah. Sí, Estela, continúa. Y que um, pude darme cuenta realmente de, 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 de mi voz interior más profunda es que escuché algo que me decía, trabaja tu autoconfianza. Es que, es, y, mm. y entrar en esa puerta de posibilidad me, me dio esta, esta mirada que fue como un wow. Eh, me, y me conmovió enormemente el ejercicio realmente. So going through this door, she was able to listen to an inner voice that was suggesting that she should work in her self-confidence. And she, this she felt in a different new way uh, from before. So she's very grateful. Gratitud infinita. Yes, de nada. So that, you know, you, I think you just get a, a little bit of a, a flavor. Uh, and let's see, where are we coming back to? I come back to the, the gallery view. Um, so that's a little touch of, of the creative mind work. And um, uh, so th thank you, Estella. So we can, we can uh, move from Estella to uh, back to the, the hall. And so um, before I end with my final poem, I uh, just want to uh, share with you that this creative mind work um, we started it last summer as a response to uh, the pandemic. And usually I have the San Diego trance camp that's uh, all of July. And uh, we, we couldn't do that. Um, hopefully we're gonna do it this year. We'll see who's able to come. Um, but we, we developed these, these virtual courses on creative mind and it was such a great experience for me. And I think for most people. So I have, really been working on a lot and developed this um, 25 day uh, uh, certification course, all virtual. Um, there, are mo there are eight three day modules uh, and an opening one day module that starts next week. Um, we will post um, information, uh, but just to give you a sense and uh, the, the person who is just translating uh, on the screen from Spanish, that was Antonio Mesa, and these are this is Antonio's art. 
I, I know you've all seen Antonio with his generative coaching art. Uh, so maybe you don't recognize this is Antonio's art too, um, but a completely different type of art, isn't it? Uh, so uh, you can uh, check out that if you're interested, uh, you, you can go. We, we have a website with that. Uh, I think the creative mind work is just, uh, I'm, so, I'm so happy to, to be a part of it. And I, I think it's a little su surprising to me, but I'm this sort of white American male from the suburbs. So I, I think it's taken a while for me to really feel in my heart and soul how much violence there is against women and people of color and the environment. Uh, and how really our, our work really has to uh, address that at, at a very core level and address it in a way where individual transformation is equally important. Because, you know, we, we've had this sort of problem for 40 or 50 years, you're either in, you know, political collective change and people are like overthrow the system and they usually get really burnt out or you're in sort of individual therapeutic change where you're sort of having these great experiences, but they're disconnected in a lot of ways from what's really happening in the heart and soul of, of everyday communities. So we have this challenge now, I think, to re really have this um, harmony between transformation at a collective level and transformation at an individual level. And that's, we need, we need hundreds, we need 10,000 uh, different traditions to address that. Creative mind is one of them. I am going to end uh, with another poem. Uh, another passage, and um, I, I started with that T.S. Eliot passage from the Four Quartets about the river being a strong brown god. This is the, uh, the last passage in that same epic 40-page poem. Uh, it's, it's one of the more well-quoted parts of Eliot, uh, and, and I think it's really a good way to talk about stepping into the integral, generative, creative consciousness. And here's how he ends this, this epic poem that has lived within me for um, 60 years. He says, with the drawing of this love and the voice of this calling, we shall not cease from exploration. And the end of all of our exploring will be to arrive where we started and to know the place for the first time. Through the unknown remembered gate when the last of earth left to discover is that which was the beginning. At the source of the longest river, the voice of the hidden waterfall and the children in the apple tree not known because not looked for but heard, half heard, in the stillness between the two waves of the sea. Quick now, here now, always, a condition of complete simplicity, 
costing not less than everything. And all shall be well. And all manners of things shall be well. When the tongues of flame are enfolded into the crowned knot of fire, and the fire and the rose are one. That's what we're looking to do in this work is, are we lucky or what? Uh, to be able to do this work. And, and um, so that's my message for today, y'all. Uh, uh, thank you very much. Thank you for your participation in the conference. I'm sorry because of the times it's early morning for me here. So most of the meetings are in the middle of the night. So I haven't been able to join them. Uh, that's why if you haven't seen me, that, that's why I, I really uh, reg regret that. Uh, uh, but thank you for, uh, for being here today and uh, pass it on. The, the world needs it. We are in such a difficult place of crisis right now. And it could get a lot worse. I hate to be a pessimist. But what we do really makes the difference. So please, let's all do it together. Uh, Dan, are you there? Daniel Oyl wanted me to announce that uh, he is, they're having a little bit, I don't know, I guess if Daniel Oyl, you're not there? He's I think he's preparing. Okay. Let me briefly say, Stephen, uh, we're we're going we're all invited to meet at his Zoom in about an hour. As I understand, it's his thirty-fifth uh, birthday, and uh, we're we're all welcome. So we'll, Oksana will put the uh, uh, maybe forty-fifth. I'm not sure. Anyway, Oksana yeah, will put the, uh, <laughs> we'll put, the, we'll put the link on the uh, chat here for all of you who'd like to join us. He's younger than you, but not me. <laughs> Hi guys again. Yeah, let's meet uh, together at Daniel's beautiful event with music and magic. So now I just invite you to turn on your microphones and cameras, just just briefly to to hear each other, and then there we go. Stephen, thank you very much for beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gracias. Love you all. Love you. Thank you very much. Thank you. 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 I don't see the, his address. 
Gracias. Uh, maybe it's just higher. Uh, Daniel's, Daniel's uh, Zoom is in the chat. Just have to scroll up a little bit. Donna, you should put it on again. Okay, guys. Is, is, is that Daniel instrument? Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>